Hello, my name is Wendy Holden and I am the author of a number of books including one called Born Survivors, the true story of three young mothers who hid their pregnancies from the Nazis and gave birth in the camps. As the 75th anniversary of the end of World War II is marked on Friday, one of those babies, Eva Clark, has a very special reason to celebrate this week. And here is her amazing story. It was 75 years ago this week that a young mother cradled her tiny newborn baby, Eva, and wept bittersweet tears of joy. After more than five years in fear of her life at the hands of the Nazis, Anka Nathan heard that the Americans had arrived in the concentration camp where she'd recently given birth, and her war was finally over. Her miracle baby, Eva, weighed just three pounds, and her arms were the width of Anka's little finger, when she was born on a wooden cart full of dead and dying female prisoners, being hauled up to the gates of one of the Nazis' most notorious camps. Anka didn't know it yet, but her husband Bernd had perished in the Holocaust, along with her parents, grandparents, sisters, aunts, uncles and cousins. It was a loss she carried her whole life, until she died aged 96, peacefully, at her daughter's home in Cambridge in 2013. As Eva marked her 75th birthday quietly at that same house last week, she couldn't help reflect back on the day she was born. Her mother told her it was a beautiful spring evening and the sun was setting over the pretty town of Mauthausen, Austria, on the banks of the River Danube, when their train pulled into the station. The date was April 29, 1945. It was eight o'clock at night when my mother saw the name Mauthausen, and unlike Auschwitz, which she never knew about until she arrived there, she'd heard of Mauthausen and believed that the shock provoked her labour, Eva said. Unable to walk, she was loaded onto the cart of others, close to death in order to be pulled up to the top of the hill by fellow prisoners. As she started to give birth to me, she looked back down at the town and said that the sunset was the most beautiful she had ever seen, which was ironic because she truly believed it was the last thing she would witness on this earth. Anka, a 28-year-old Czech law student, was shaven-haired and crawling with lice, weighing less than five stone at full term. Mummy always said she looked like a barely living pregnant skeleton, Eva added, shaking her head at the thought. After giving birth at the end of a hellish 17-day train journey with little food or water, Baby Eva was lifeless. I didn't move, I didn't breathe, but a fellow prisoner who was also a doctor picked me up by my feet and smacked me until I finally let out a cry, she said. It was a moment of such joy for my mother, who'd already lost a baby boy in a previous camp, but she still feared that we would both be gassed before the night was over. There are three reasons why Eva and her mother survived, and the first is an especially chilling one. The snaking train of death that had transported Anka and thousands of others from the German factory where they'd been enslaved was delayed for 48 hours because of Allied bombing on the railway tracks. Eva was born shortly after it arrived in Mauthausen, which happened to be just 24 hours after the deadly Zyklon B gas ran out. The second reason they survived is because the Nazis, who knew they'd lost the war and were preparing to flee, learned that Adolf Hitler had killed himself on April 30th. The third reason is a far happier one. 
On May 5th, 1945, the camp was one of the last to be liberated in Europe, this time by the American 11th Armoured Division. My mother always said I had two birthdays, Eva said with a smile, the day I was born and the day I was reborn thanks to the Allies. She had no idea how we both survived. Up until 2010, she always claimed that I must have been the only baby born in the camps to have made it out. That was until Eva made a surprising revelation. Ten years ago, she and her husband Malcolm, a law professor at Cambridge, decided to travel back to what is now a memorial site at Mauthausen to mark the 65th anniversary of her salvation and to personally thank the last surviving members of the American 11th Armoured Division that liberated them. It was then that she discovered that two other babies had been born to mothers on exactly the same journey as Anka, after being transported from ghettos to Auschwitz and then into slave labour. Hannah Berger-Moran was born on a plank in a munitions factory on April 12, the night before their train transported them away to be killed, and Mark Olsky was born in one of the open coal wagons in the middle of a deluge eight days later on April 20th, Hitler's birthday. Like Eva, each was delivered of mothers as undernourished as Anka and weighed less than three pounds, so were not expected to survive. We three babies met for the first time in a hotel in Linz the day before the commemoration ceremonies at the camp that year. We spent hours together, crying, laughing and sharing stories of our mothers, Eva recalled. None of us had siblings, so we immediately felt as if we'd acquired two. All we had in common, really, was our unusual births and the fact that almost every member of each family had been murdered, yet it was as if we'd known each other for years. Since then, we have become what Wendy calls siblings of the heart. The astonishing stories of these mothers and babies were finally chronicled in my book Born Survivors, first released in 2015 to mark the 70th anniversary of the end of World War II and the baby's 70th birthdays. It has since been published in 22 countries and translated into 16 languages. A special 75th anniversary edition came out last week, along with a new audio version featuring Eva and I in conversation. Even after all this time, Born Survivors remains the only book ever written about surviving babies from the camps. Eva said, By the time the book came out, our mothers had died, and we were married with children and grandchildren, living our respective lives quite quietly. But then suddenly we were travelling the world, talking about what had happened, to students in schools and universities, in synagogues and embassies, museums and cathedrals, as well as some extraordinary places, and it was as if our mothers too had been reborn. It reminded us of what they'd gone through to keep us alive, and how incredible they all were. They would have been very proud to be remembered in this way and not forgotten by the world. Some of the extraordinary places Eva, her surrogate siblings and I have been invited to include the United States Senate and the House of Lords, as well as tours of Portugal, the Czech Republic, Poland, Spain, France, Germany, Slovakia and to events all over the US and the UK. On May the 8th, we were all hoping to be reunited in Mauthausen once more for this year's anniversary commemorations at the invitation of the Austrian president, who was hosting a televised birthday party for the babies. But what Hitler failed to do in curtailing all freedom, coronavirus has succeeded, and instead they will spend it in isolated lockdown in the UK and the US. 
No matter how worrying and inconvenient this virus is, I can't help but reflect back on how little I have to complain about, Eva added. I heard someone say that this is a war in which all we're being asked to do is stay at home, and there's truth in that. Our parents endured almost six years of Nazi persecution and terror for the sole crime of being Jewish. In Auschwitz, the mothers were each stripped and shaved and inspected naked by Dr Joseph Mengele, who asked if they were pregnant. Thank goodness they said no, and didn't show yet, because those who were pregnant were sent either straight to the gas chambers or to Mengele's hospital for the cruelest experiments. Between them, Eva, Mark and Hannah lost more than 30 members of their immediate families, including the three fathers they never got to meet. Remarkable men in their own rights, who had all married their mothers for love. Eva added, When I compare their losses to our current situation, I cannot help but feel grateful and humbled. She attributes the success of the book and the stories they tell to the growing hunger for reminders of what can happen when hate speech is allowed to flourish and prejudice and racism go unchecked. People can't identify with six million, but they can identify with three young mothers. Their determination and resilience in the face of unspeakable evil continues to inspire people the world over, especially today, and we're happy to be part of the movement to educate this generation and the next. Having raised two sons and enjoyed a career in educational administration, Eva retired ten years ago, but was already a survivor speaker for the Holocaust Educational Trust. As soon as the regulations allow, she intends to go back on the road, travelling from school to school as far afield as Scotland, Belfast and to Cardiff, where she was raised after the war by her mother and Czech stepfather. I had to learn English pretty quickly after the war, but I was young enough to absorb it. I also gradually came to understand my family story, because I was the only child at my school that didn't have any relatives. My mother was very good at feeding me information in dribs and drabs, so that it was never too overwhelming, and until I fully understood the reason why, I was excited to learn that I had two daddies. It was only when I began to read the diary of Anne Frank that I appreciated what they'd all gone through. Eva then understood why her mother was obsessed with hoarding food and also with going to the cinema, as Jews had been banned from that in the war and Anka was almost arrested when she defied the order. Eva also understood why she would have hysterics as a child if ever she heard a pneumatic drill, as when she was in the womb her half-starved mother had to operate a heavy riveting machine in the factory for 12 hours a day, seven days a week on a diet largely of water. All three of us babies are allergic to loud noises and we're also hyper-allergic to insect bites which may have something to do with the fact that our mothers were crawling with lice and bedbugs for years. It's a strange and rather sinister thing to have in common, but we prefer to focus on the positives. The mothers taught their children that they should never be bitter about what happened in the war, and Mark's mother, Rachel, went even further. When her son was growing up in Israel and learned that the Nazis had killed so many members of his family, he announced that when he was older he'd buy a gun and shoot every German he met. Rachel shook her head and told him, No, Mark, you mustn't think that. The Nazis took everything from us, but if we think like that, then they will also have stolen our souls. As Eva marked her birthday far more quietly than she anticipated, she and I nevertheless connected via Zoom with Hannah and Mark, who have recently also celebrated their 75th birthdays at their respective homes in California and Arizona. 
Hannah is a chemist who spent much of her career testing new drugs, which is a delicious irony as she was one of the first civilians ever given penicillin when US Army medics saved her life. Mark is head of emergency medicine and a trainer of doctors who does a lot of pro bono work for medical negligence cases. Between them, these homeless, penniless infants who could have been refugees and were fleeing from Nazi rule have made an enormous contribution to society and have six grandchildren and eleven sorry, six children and eleven grandchildren who are continuing the legacy and the memories of their lost loved ones. Eva concluded it's still amazing to us that not only did we survive, but that we survived to be healthy and not physically or mentally impaired in any way. Let's hope that continues for many years yet, because in a few years' time, when everyone else who was liberated from the camps has passed on, we will likely be the last living survivors of the Holocaust, and that is a deeply salutary thought. <laughs>